The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Neo Reality Collective. I'm your host, Eric Brown, and today we have a good freaking chunk of news that happened throughout the first half of this week of August. So, Malachi Black explains why Zelina Vega re-signed with WWE. So people called her, so people have been going ahead on Twitter and a lot of other places calling her a sellout saying that and deleted her unionization tweet and how everyone felt like she disappointed everyone because she didn't really stand up for herself and whatnot well Alakai Black has basically come out and said that yeah that, that that's not how that happened I was like okay Zelina wanted to return that was one thing but what he says here and and this is what he revealed when the release happened, Johnny Ace, aka Laurenitis, called me and even he was confused. My wife was crying because she knew. She was about to come back and one of the main reasons she wanted to come back was because I was there, which was more or less the driving force other than the promises they made her. Yeah. Um. She came back for him. And then WWE fires him, where even Vince's own inner circle member, John Laurinaitis, is surprised. And now this recontextualizes why she came back. And I feel like her call, being called a seller was already unfair because it was like, like, well, she was, as far as we're informed, we, she didn't get any good offers as far as we're aware of. But now that this is now out there, that Nick Khan, Vince, Kevin Dunn are poisonous to the point that they're now contest causing their own inner circle member Johnny Laurinaitis to go ahead and be all what that doesn't make even any even sense. We just got back on TV because this is part of this whole disconnect because WWE apparently had this whole thing and whatnot where they were going to push him and then there was this disconnect where Malachi Black couldn't get a straight answer from Vince because apparently he knew right before the show so that means that you wasted everyone's time <laughs> thanks a lot Nick Khan you're certainly helping us 
So with all this recontextualization, I feel Zelina being harassed on social media was completely wrong to begin with because I was like, we don't even know why she went back. She probably would have went back for Malachi, but then he was fired and she couldn't get out of it or she was she wasn't given enough good offers earth and her twitch stuff was falling apart so maybe that was the reason i assume that was the reason and yep she went back from malachi for tommy end and then they basically fucked them both over congrats so now zelina's in a position where she's stuck and probably that interview with Takis Jericho is not going to be reached by certain people and they're going to harass her still. So she's in a position where she loses either way. And she, and I don't even know what promises they did offer her. All I know is, is that I think she real. I wouldn't be surprised if she realized right then and there when Malachi Black, when Tommy Ann was fired, that yeah, we're screwed. But, yeah. As part of WWE's continued initiative to piss everyone off and fire people, oh, uh, Bray Wyatt, after his after his unceremonious firing by the hands of Nick Khan, that's my best guess because even the people within WWE are like, wait, why was he fired? Because they know it wasn't budget cut, so something clearly happened behind the scenes. And we all assumed it was probably because of mental health, because he's had a struggle with it for a while, and Brody's passing probably exacerbated it. So it so he was probably still in this processing stage and was trying to need to clear his mind, get a fresh reboot on things. So Bray Wyatt posts a Twitter 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 account on his Twitter account, a devil face. Hinting that he is going to revitalize himself at the end of his no compete clause, because once his once the end of October comes around, well, I've said this. Look, I, I'm I'm just knowing like I'm just like thinking to myself, man, that guy's gonna kill it in AEW. Like I don't see him going anywhere else at the moment because he will only go to AEW. I feel because of Brody. If he pulls a swerve, that's gonna be interesting. But I do think he's going to go to AEW just out of continuing on the legacy of Brody Lee. Or at least until we get Brody Lee Jr. to come to the ring when he's old enough. And then he and Wyatt can have a match. Then we will all burst into tears and cry. So, yeah. Wyatt posted this tweet of a mask image that's clearly being in the design phase. And even Coda Warren has committed that they're going to make another music if he ever wants it. Well, along with the caption of, you can't kill it. So, yeah, he's becoming the devil. <laughs> yeah, that, that's certainly something. I'm excited for what Pete brings next to the table. So, Anthony Agogo, the governor, have been out of action for several months. Agogo underwent surgery in early July, and now the factory's head, QT Marshall, is giving an update on his condition, telling Digital Spy, right now he's recuperating. We didn't really go into too much detail with it, but after one of the matches where Billy Gunn ended up slamming his head into the guardrail, he ended up getting hurt. So he's still recuperating. Obviously, when he comes back, he'll still be the same force he was when he left. Uh, he lost to Cody, and considering that they went ahead and made him look like, uh, they turned this into a nationality stuff, even though Gogo only brought it up once and that was it. And Cody makes it all about about America because Memorial Day was around the corner because we have to do patriotism. I mean, like, even though the UK and the US are 
are allies and buddies nowadays. At least as far as I'm aware of, but uh, yeah. I'm hoping Anthony Agogo could still provide that content of violence and uproarious fun. Uh, I'm curious to know what he does next when he gets back, but we'll see. So, so back to Bray Wyatt. Okay, so there has been now been a clarification on Fightful's report. So that sources close to Wyatt confirmed that his absence following WrestleMania had nothing to do with what were called falsely reported mental health issues. Also, Bray Wyatt is 100% healthy and able to wrestle. Fightful's report also stated that Bray Wyatt was busy and heavily involved in adding new creative elements to his character, ready to re for a return during Raw this week at the time of this video. Wyatt was originally cleared to wrestle by Daddy's staff at some point before its release. So, yeah. This now recontextualizes a little bit of what the hell happened backstage. So there were reports going out that Wyatt was apparently becoming increasingly protective over his character. I'm like, can you blame him honestly after everything he had to go through for the last several years only to get hot again? Then they were like, we gotta put the brakes on this. It's too over. We can't have anything organically over because Vince cries about it at night in his sleep. So, yeah, so I keep thinking something else went down behind the scenes. I'm not certain. This is just my thoughts. I wouldn't be surprised if Vince made the call because, well, how do I say this delicately? Vince hates his creativity. Like, Vince Russo, like, this kind of, if that is indeed the case, if the Knowing Management wanted to get rid of him because he was so creative and he wasn't a writer or he wasn't part of Vince's inner circle, as far as I'm aware, because I actually did see Bray Wyatt being a WWE lifer, even with AEW being around, but, yeah. Because Vince Russo believes, I know it's Vince Russo, but take of what you will, he thinks the reason that it doesn't give Wyatt, Wyatt the respect he's rightfully earned and the treatment he should be getting as a top-tier, face-of-the-company villain uh, is because he comes up with better ideas than the, than the creative department because, well, the creative department should be the ones that do the stuff, not Wyatt. He's the wrestler. He's supposed to go out there and get beaten up or beat people up. We can't have him be read better than our writers. That would mean he's better than Vince in this. And we already know what happened to the last group of people that thought they were better than Vince. NXT was ruined for many in recent weeks. Also, my virtuous enviness of, of AEW UK scene is somewhat because AEW Plus, the subscriber service on Fight TV for $4.99, it's apparently including Rampage. Rampage. And this is a $4.99 pack for Fight and gives subscribers access to every episode of Diamond and Iron Rampage. And including fans can also watch Dark and Dark Elevation on there. But the show's also available on YouTube for various reasons. But here's the thing. They're getting the unedited cut. They're getting basically the direct the promotions cut without pissy commercials. Can I have that? 
Like, I'm pretty sure you could convince America, I'm like, I hope, I, I think at least America would be interested in doing this. Like, I get AEW doesn't have, like, as far as I'm aware of, a major TV deal, as far as I'm aware of, I don't know. Last time I checked, they tried to do it, and then they failed miserably, but, yeah, I was like, those people, they got them. They got the unedited cut, and we're only gonna get the unedited cut once BR Live goes ahead and resumes when all the service migration's done. No! Yeah, I, I know. The only thing that I wish we can get is downloadable stuff, but that's a dream. And that dream sadly came at the cost of the WWE Network because that was asking too much from us unless we go to the crappy Peacock service. So, remember that he's planning to relocate the headquarters of Stamford, Connecticut? Well, there has been some delays. With COVID going ahead and screwing everything up, everyone realized, okay, we can't do that. And then Dodo's evil plan to go ahead, okay, this is just me joking on this part, but Dodo's evil plan to have the wrestlers destroy the entire entire headquarters in order to get away with, in order to get insurance money out of this, <laughs> along with putting the property down with murder attempts, thanks Corbin, uh, clearly has failed miserably, and now they have to move again because until late 2022. Damn you! <laughs> okay, I couldn't help myself on that. Like, I was like... <laughs> I was kidding to myself with this idea. Like, we had the whole Money in the Bank cinematic match there for insurance purposes in order to destroy the building using the wrestlers as cattle. And then they can say, uh, we didn't expect the damage to be this big. We thought they'd be responsible. And we definitely didn't expect Baron Corbin to murder two people and us having to find ways to explain how they survived without actually priming up with reasonable explanation. We suck. Oh God. So now that he has to pay the full estimated total for of 85 to 105 million dollars to be construction as well as enhance the performance and production and technology infrastructure. So we're probably gonna go with over 100 million. <laughs> we're screwed. So yeah, that happened. And now, now, uh, because the NXT locker room can no longer go ahead and fight back because Vince is going to butcher NXT to the point something depressing happened before the show, but I'll get to that in a moment. Recent releases of a report changing direction has been poorly met with a negative response by the high-ranking executives at the USA Network. Okay. Adrian Zarian uh, of Mattman Podcast, a hiring representative from the USA Network, are concerned about the changes, with the perception being these moves will be negative in nature. One individual is quoted in saying, Personally, I'm disappointed with how this is going. He also notes that these US executives are not diehard wrestling fans. The perception of what WWE is doing means significantly more, with the perception being a negative one. The one will be the will be to prove this opinion wrong but this is WWE they can literally burn down people's houses at this point and the USA Network will wag their finger and just let them get away with it without actually doing anything even though when they kept saying Vince just let Wyatt run the show he's violent he we want edgy violence and adult evil co violent content you can do it now we're letting you do it 
German? I don't want to. I got a piece of my stockholders. Damn it. Meanwhile, Becky Lynch is reportedly scheduled to be at SummerSlam. Yes! So, former Raw Women's Champion schedule has been rumored for a number of weeks, and Lynch, according to PW Insider, scheduled to be by WWE to be at SummerSlam at the Steam in Las Vegas on Saturday, August 21st. So, yeah, there were rumors going out that she was set for return later in October, which would have pissed everyone off because now it's like, well, why should I even still be here? I could just wait till October. And even then, they'll probably screw it up. So, considering the situation, once Cena's gone, they have virtually no one left. So, uh, and Roman can't keep carrying the show on his own because it's going to get annoying. So, we got to diversify our content. So, let's put Becky Lynch on SmackDown and throw her off a of Raw with zero explanation. So, New Japan Pro Wrestling Young Lion, Yota Tsuji, if I pronounce that right, is, is heading to Revolute Rev Pro Wrestling for New Japan Pro Wrestling Excursion. Yes! He has traveled to the U.S. He will compete at the upcoming New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence Show on August 14th, my birthday. A in a tag man tag team match for Leo Rush, Brody King, Chris Dickinson, and Fred Yuta. Uh, and uh, and, uh, and another young lions join him on this excursion at the LA JoJo and has competed on Strong. So, yeah. New, new talent is arriving to the UK scene as part of the excursion. And now more than ever with all these partnerships, we can do anything. So, yeah, back to NXT. So during the August 10th taping of NXT, which had a somewhat high rating, though it looked more like it went back to stability stance of what they're currently at. Uh, after the budget cuts and the reported changes that are coming, WrestleVotes reported that there was a horrendously bad mood, saying that the tension was running high, to say the least. Okay, can you be like blunt and tell us that it's like a bloodbath about to start, and NXT is trying their best not to trying their best to hold her together? Because there was a reported incident at the show before the show went on the air. So they do the usual thing. We are NXT. And normally you have the fans chanting of NXT and NXT, NXT. But when the rumors and the reports come out, and these are far more hardcore fans, they scream back, we were NXT. Yeah, someone reportedly said that. John Rossap probably tweeted that. Yeah, someone was at the show, apparently, and screamed out to them, we were NXT. As in, no longer the NXT, we remember it, because they're going to be turned back to a, quote, farm system. And Booker T's all for that, so go blame him if you want to go ahead, go ahead and go crazy if you want to talk about that. On to somewhat more positive news. Uh, for CM Punk's in-ring condition and reportedly emerging mid AEW speculation... Uh, Punk has, over the past six months, been doing his own in-ring training as well as preparing for his role on Star Series Heels. And Final Select has got insight to the former champion conditions to some of those that have worked close with him at that time. 
Warren Source noted that Punk looked completely healthy in the ring, especially when compared to the situation when WWE departed. Another individual declared that Punk was so smooth when he got back in the ring to the point where people questioned if he had been privately trained for a number of months prior to stepping into the ring. A third source noted that he has been working so well, it was like he had never been away for seven years. Yes! So not only are we brought, are we at this point looking like it's going to be a guarantee, even Tony Khan slipped on something like that, uh, where he said, I think everyone knows what we're going to be doing on, on, in Chicago. Chicago! Ooh, I mean, like, it's kind of obvious. And, they, and here's the thing. They sold out that show, the second episode of Rampage, at the United Center, a pretty big venue. And all they had to their name promoting that was their name and references and rumors. Not a single match announced, they sold out. Pre-sale and then sold out the remaining tickets in four minutes. So, one of my buddies gets to experience that. So, yeah, now these sources are saying that, that basically, so we could be expecting the Shawn Michaels tape return, where he looks like he's never lost a step and he still got it. Which means that they will have him at his full power. Let's hope that. So, let's get to the uncomfortable talk. Because that's what we needed on Neo Reality Collective. So, Matt Caster, awesome rapper on, on, on AWTV. Uh, still, I still love the whole, whole call your girl to John Moxley. He says, call your girl. She all in my mansions. Try to hit me up with some oral session. Whoa. And all that. And I'm just laughing my ass off hearing that. And I go ahead and just loving how crazy this team is. They're on a hot streak. If they keep it cool and don't say anything stupid, then we'll be good. A pity that they did something stupid and horribly pissed everyone off. And now everyone's turning on AEW for how they handled it, as far as we're aware. But let me get back to that in a moment. But so, yeah. Matt Caster's appearances in AEW have reportedly been put on ice following the uh, controversial rap. However, the rap from Dark was, uh, yeah, Caster does his typical raps and whatnot. He has a couple of edginess to it, but he doesn't really go too far with it as far as I look. And then this week he decided to say, I'm gonna con potentially commit commuter suicide. And probably everything else. He had contained references to Simone Biles' mental health, sexual assault allegations against Duke University's men, men's, I can't pronounce it, team, and fake PCR tests. So. Tony Khan came out after the fallout when everyone was pissed, subsequently described the rep as terrible and admitted that it should have been caught and removed from the show prior to its initial airing. Caster since removed all references to AEW and he claimed from his Twitter page for a final selector reporting that he is still with the promotion. And according to the report's appearance is seen as a company put on nice and said the training has been discussed for him. It hasn't necessarily been disclosed what would that entail for Caster, however. So 
yeah, this is a very dark subject. The acclaim was even dropped from the rankings. They're no longer in the top five following the controversy. So, yeah. Now, here's what people were saying. Now, the report, some reports came out, ringside news, so you know what to think of that, um, said that he's been suspended without pay for two months. Um, okay, we, do you have, like, is there another source confirming this? And Fightful Select has denied it, like Shara Savas denied it, as far as we're aware of, he's at best still getting paid and, like, just going to sensitivity training for the moment until things cool down, but, like, as far as we're aware of, that's at best what's going on. So... Look, I, and I was saying this, like, he needs to be held accountable. I get it. I'm getting it. I felt like it. I felt like he would need to be at least held held back a little bit on that. And Tony Khan, for some reason, never caught wind of this, which is saying something which is concerning. Because here's the thing. He said he does not handle the editing process of Dark or Dark Elevation. He doesn't handle being back there for that he and he has said Matt Caster goes to him when he presents his rapid stuff before dynamite at least okay I just have okay so all due respect to Tony Khan and everything in AEW I, I just have one question what the hell were you not being like people posted the video a week beforehand because dark was taped how did he not noticed he was getting multiple tags, multiple mentions in his account, and being told Matt Caster said this, you gotta address it or cut it out entirely. Unless Tony Khan was somehow dead for some reason and then revived again, and then he somehow was just gone for a week. He can just I just didn't pay attention to the Twitter, which is a problem, I think. Because when someone tell him, hey, uh, Madcaster said this, and everyone's looking uncomfortable about it, like, that just kind of, yeah. Especially since COVID tests, sentimental health, and sexual assault allegations. Yeah! AW swiftly responded, though I feel like this should be responded to, like, when the leaks came out. So... Yeah. So this is a very delicate situation. I don't think he should be fired. At best, he should go to sensitivity training should he be suspended with no pay. Or if at the very least his money goes to donations, that's one thing. But suspended without pay. Like, Sammy Guerrero went through that when he when an old audio came out on his podcast where he admitted he wanted to do something horrible to Sasha. And he has since apologized to Sasha. Sasha backed him up on that and apologized on social media, on his vlog, and went to sensitivity training. He was gone for like a month. Now, and, and people kind of just moved on from that. But this is more, but this is kind of a dangerous line to walk on on this. So I don't know what they're going to do with Matt Caster down the road. He could be gone for a month. He could be gone for two months. He could have been getting paid. He could have not been getting paid. He could probably come out and apologize. We'll have to see whatever goes down. So, moving on from that and uncomfortableness galore, uh, 
back to oh god damn it we're back to uncomfortableness Activision, the, you know, the horrible company that burns, that makes me want to cry myself to sleep wondering what the hell happened. Rumored Call of Duty 3, Modern Warfare 3 Remastered does not exist. Any reports otherwise are incorrect. Yeah. Do I think they're going to do it? Probably. Are they making it at the moment with California coming after them and the industry now being pissed off to the extreme? Yeah. Considering what came out. They even lost Coca-Cola and State Farm. Farm have lost their interest with them after it came out. So, yeah. Meanwhile, at the other currently not exposed company being evil, inherently, I like EA had to build themselves up to be majorly evil, but doing like what the evil of Activision Blizzard did, um, or Ubisoft, I feel like EA can at least say we haven't had any allegations against us yet, though I wouldn't be surprised if that starts coming out as the industry continues to poison continues to reveal its poisonous nature. Dead Space Remake reportedly aiming for a full 2022 release. Okay. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, I never played the originals. I'm I'm just hoping they don't go and take back their microtransaction promise and say, it is a surprise mechanics. It's completely different. Completely different. So, be glad for that for now. Rick and Morty season five is getting an hour long season finale. Yes! So it's gonna be an hour long finale from 11 p.m. to 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. But God, what will it trail with this? No idea, but it could be insane. Oh man. A double length special. Can't wait for that, everybody. Meanwhile, Steam doesn't get Steam Deck, the upcoming console platform, handheld console thing, and reportedly does not get a performance boost when docked, according to Valve designer Greg Comer. Saying in an interview with PC Gamer, yes, he said yes, but we didn't choose to make it a really high priority design target. We felt that it was actually about all things considered to not modify based on dock status or mobile status. Saying that Valve's choice not to implement higher performance features for the dock came as a matter of prioritization. Valve, he explains, has identified the console's highest use case will be of run mobile, so close the threshold where the machine will run well with good frame rate with AAA games in that scenario. We didn't feel like we should target also going after the dock scenario at higher resolution. We want a simpler design target and to prioritize that. So it's not fully um, like the Switch on that regard. Like, I, I don't know about I don't think I'm interested in that I'm more of a sit based gaming type I, I even tried VR and I was like oh, such a headache so the director of Mobius oh god Mobius and considering that there's Mobius Mobius yeah that's the Loki actor character name ain't Mobius Mobius because yeah 
anyways. The director of Mobius might have just wrecked the whole film for everybody. He, that may have spoiled a cameo that would further connect the movie to other films in the Sony's version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Say, uh... Talking about how this news comes by the way of the direct, which translates interview Moby's line conducted with the Mobius director. In the interview, he revealed about a potential cameo by Tom Hardy, who plays a Brock in the Venom films. And considering Michael Keaton's in the movie, and he's probably playing Andrew, and he's personally reprising his role as the Vulture, I think we already know who's the Sinister Six, but we're gonna probably wonder where the hell everyone is. In terms of, wait, where are the event? Well, the Avengers have broken up for a while because Captain America's gone, Iron Man's retired, Iron Man's dead, uh, Natasha's dead, the Hulk's probably on hiding mode, and he's preparing to help his cousin become the next She Hulk. Miss Captain Marvel's in space, Doctor Strange is cleaning up everyone's multiversal cosmic messes because, of course, they did. Thor's in space with the Guardians, and they're about to have a fight to determine who is the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxies, and whether or not we'll be renamed as Guardians of the Galaxies, because that's a thing. But yeah. Okay, so it's gonna be interesting about that, but uh, yeah, it, it certainly is. Meanwhile, for the um, Jackie Forever movie, Bam is suing Paramount and Johnny Knoxville over firing. After he was revealed to have been cut from Jack, from Jack, you know what, forever, back in February, he has now filed a lawsuit against Paramount, Johnny Knoxville, and producer Spike for wrongful termination. This needs comes by way of Variety, which reports that the former JATV series and movie star was fired for allegedly testing positive for Adderall, which violates the terms of the wellness agreement he signed with GA Forever producer. He claims that the lawsuit he's taken Adderall as a prescribed medication for 10 years, so... Yeah, we're kind of in a pickle here. This reminds me of when Roman Reigns was allegedly tested for Adderall and people were like, well, what if it was medically proved and whatnot, but the wellness policy contradicts that, which is a host of other issues, people would say. But I am not a medical expert, so I have no idea, and I do not know what goes on behind the scenes. But we're going to have to go in and wait to see where that goes. We got a ton more news to cover, and we'll be right back after these messages. Take care, everybody. Back, everyone, to Neo Reality Collective. So, back from break, everybody. Let's get right into these and finish this first half of the week off. Xbox is reportedly testing multiple new features on console and PC. He with Tom Warren saying Xbox has a new night mode feature. It will dim your screen, control LED, and even the console power button. Full details in video are made on Twitter and everything on YouTube. So, get ready for that. For Windows 10 PC users with access to Xbox Insider Program, Microsoft is introducing Xbox Cloud Gaming, aka xCloud, through the Xbox app starting today. Previously, Windows 10 device owners had access to Xbox Cloud by going to the Xbox website through a browser to sign in and play the Cloud Gaming beta there. They can now launch it in the Xbox official app by clicking on the Game Pass tab and a new Cloud Gaming section will appear showcasing all the tiles that support Cloud Gaming. 
If you do not have access to the test feature, you will still need to head over to the Xbox website and launch the service. As we remove insider updates, the feature will be rolled out to those who signed up for the program on either, either or both platforms, with a full release to be announced later on. Several updates on the, for the Xbox brand have rolled out within the last year, making some much needed improvements. Last month, Microsoft announced an update that would allow parents and caregivers to, spend, to set spending limits for their kids. Earlier this year, Microsoft rolled out an update on the dashboard, allowing the Series X and S owners to increase download speeds by suspending games. Yes! So, get ready for that. I'm, I'm glad Microsoft's really turned around these last few years since the Xbox One debacle. So... Marvel's What If originally had a Spider-Man plotline too dark for the show's PG-13 rating. You do realize you're on your own platform, right, Disney? You can get away with more. I know it's Disney, but come on. They really need to get that that big, that 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 adult side to it, the more darker stuff on their side, so they can start adding that kind of content. Like Disney Plus, I get Disney wants to be kid-friendly, but I'm pretty sure having terrorist battles in, in the Marvel Universe on Disney Plus is clearly not just PG-13 stuff. Or a district godman who thinks he's God and wants to purge half the universe in order to go ahead and stop the horrible, horrible event that he believes overpopulation will be extinction, which is an understandable thing. He's just going about it the horrible, 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 horrible way. Or turning Black Panther into an ethical questionable movie and also a very, very bordering on Africa versus the world mentality. But yeah, let's not get into that. But yeah, there was originally a Spider-Man plotline too dark for the show. What if writer A.C. Bradley, who related the story of the post-credit podcast, more specifically the episode was set to feature some Spider-Man related body horror that would have been too much for the show's PG-13 rating. There were a couple of episodes where the episodes were just too little dark. There was originally a What If run where Spider-Man tries to do a real spider, and that was just too dark and too body horror for their PG-13 rating. Oh yeah, we can't do rated R content. It seems like Marvel dodged a bullet. A rated R bullet shaped like a spider, as well as an acrophobia warning. By giving What If a no to that idea, still, it's hard not to wonder what exactly this episode would have been about. Was it more like a What If Spider-Man turned into an actual spider kind of episode? Or like a Doc Ock turned Spider-Man into an actual spider with limbs kind of episodes? <laughs> would have been interesting. Would have been interesting. Would have been interesting. Meanwhile, the Funimation giant has completed Funimation giant has completed their update on buying Crunchyroll. Now Sony owns both Funimation and Crunchyroll, all in an anime streaming merger for a worth net of nearly 1.2 billion. It's apparently an opportunity for the company to deliver its anime offering to this PlayStation platform in this update. According to your game, there's potentially a chance that Crunchyroll will be included as a part for a more expensive premium places plus offering. Since Sony's pre-R release has mentioned the global goal of providing a unified subscription experience. So the deal was worth $1.2 billion and topping more than 5 million subscribers on Crunchyroll. All saying that this will broaden distribution and expand fan-centric offerings for consumers. 
Certain as following reports to the U.S. Justice Department of Justice were from the deal for potential antitrust violations. The U.S. government reportedly wished to determine whether or not the deal would give Sony a monopoly over streaming anime. Hey, other streaming services have been investing heavily in anime of late, particularly note Netflix. So, the U.S. government gave their blessing, so... Yeah, take it that what you will. Did they do it genuinely, or was capital greed the almighty dollar? You make the call! Meanwhile, COVID-19 ravages the world in 2021 because the world sucks and we need to go ahead and prove that we're horrible people. So yeah, I'm still pissed that we're still in this and we could and we almost were close to ending it, but no, we have to go ahead and fuck up at the finish line. Hacks in Australia has been cancelled due to the ongoing concerns around the new outbreaks of COVID-19 in the country of Australia. So yeah, back Australia is over. Ticket purchasers will receive a refund within the next seven days, and they're hoping to return return for a physical event in 2022. Good job, world. Producer Charles Robin, known for his work, wide range of work in the DC universe, including the Dark Knight trilogy, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Wonder Woman, and the Justice League that we don't care about. Oh, by by horrible, horrible people. Oh, considering the stuff that came out about that movie reshoots, who has said that the next Justice League movie is likely going to be a number of years away. Speaking in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter, he spoke about his ties to future DC projects, which likely include more Suicide Squad and JL films should they happen, saying that he believes his future work would probably be taken as far as a Justice League movie. If it was a Batman-involved product like Batman v Superman or Justice League, I would be involved in those. Suicide Squad, I would be involved in those up until a certain amount, and that kind of where we are. But I still have an affiliation with some more Suicide Squad mo squads, uh, which I'm thrilled about. I hope James will, when he's got some time, come back and see if he's going to do another one of those. Oh, because if he did such an amazing work, I would definitely be a part of that. Probably in a Justice League movie, although I think that's a number of years away. Say, and also mention how. If they did see another Justice League, it would be unlikely Zack Snyder's take, and I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow decommissioned the 2017 version as canon and just go ahead and say reboot. Part of the whole reunification of everything. So yeah, and saying how the studio's been aggressively anti-Zack Snyder because I don't know he kicked a puppy, like. I'm still baffled. Like, what did Zack Snyder exactly do that was so horrible, other than get people mad at him over his directorial choices? Something that Disney got pissed off at, and then they turned around and reshot everything essentially. Leon, plus there was no saving the sequel trilogy by that point. Still, my opinion on that. If you like it, that's perfectly fine. But still. But yeah, U.S. politicians call on developers to reduce predatory game design, so basically microtransaction and loot boxes. So let's move on from that. U.S. politicians have written letters to a dozen companies asking them to protect, better protect young people from online risk and predatory game design. How about you just threaten them? The U.K. threatened them and they got away with a technicality that could ultimately be reversed soon. 
So, yeah. They can change it. Just threaten them with the investigation. California did, did that to Activision Blizzard. Look how that's turned out. Several people are fired. The president of Blizzard has been kicked out. So, yeah, and other people are, and everything else is falling apart. So, yeah, why not just threaten them with legal action? Have the mic of the U.S. government come in and kick their effing And then we get unionization board so we can have some protection for the employees. Employees! Val Kilmer goes ahead and speaks about reflecting on the challenges he faced on Batman Forever, particularly when suing up to play the Dark Knight. Uh, <laughs> According to comicbook.com, Kilmer reminisced about his time on the set, suggested that playing Batman was quite different from fantasizing about being the hero, saying, I was shocked and in disbelief, mostly because I had just I just been exploring a remote Batcave. By Hollywood standards, Batman is the ultimate leading role in a dream come true. I took part without even reading the script, but whatever voice excitement I had going in was crushed by the reality of the Batsuit. You signed up without a script, without looking at the script. Like I know Liam Neeson did that for the prequels, but at least he, but at least he. At least it look. At least he has improved, and people love Qui Gon now more than ever. But okay, when you're in it, you can barely move, and people have to help you stand up and sit down. You also can't hear anything, and after a while, people stop talking to you. It's very isolating. It was a struggle for me to get to a performance past the suit. It was frustrating until I realized that my role in the film was just to show up and stand where I was told to. Kilmer elaborated further on his performance and likened playing Batman to acting in soap opera. Though he has indicated that his co-stars were not as restricted by their costumes, he said fellow Batman Forever actors Tommy Lee Jones, who played Two-Face, and Jim Carrey, who portrayed the Riddler, managed to deliver huge performances in their villainous roles. Saying that he, they design, had designed this whole performance, it was just so huge, I think it made no difference what I was doing. I tried to be like an actor on a soap opera, the way I would turn to Nicole, go count how many times I put my hands on my hips. Oops, I don't know how I come up with the style acting, but they seem to go to go to, go to soap opera school. And now Robert Pattinson is set to continue on the legacy. And we don't know when we're going to... And then we'll just see... Michael Keaton's Batman come back and Ben Affleck's Batman come back for the big Flash movie. Yeah, that, that's a thing. So get ready for that. So DC Comics is set to reprint a series of books into Omnibus. We got the 52 weekly comic omnibus selling for $300 on, on, on out since they're out of print. The Death and Return for Superman and Deep Titans by Jeff Johns. Yeah, probably bad timing to do that, man. So yeah, 2022 is set to release The Death and Return of Superman Omnibus, Teen Titans by Jeff Johns in 2022 and 52, which was the collective weekly comic book event by the award-winning writers of Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Gray Rucka, and Mark Wade. Teen Titans by Jeff Johns seems pretty bad timing considering there's an actor who's still pissed off at him and he was playing Cyborg, a character that Jeff Johns wrote in the comics. But what do I know? Besides, they did sell well in their time. Uh, anyways. So, yeah. The whole... So, yeah, these are set to sell in... 
sale in May and in mid-July. Mid so May 10th, May 31st, and July 19th. Respectively for Death and Return of Superman, Teen Titans by Jeff Johns, and 52. All the omnibus and get ready for craziness to ensure. Meanwhile, DC Comics continues their format of absolutes by putting De by putting DC Comics' metal event, Dark Knight's Metal, and the finally Absolute Doomsday Clock. A comic that I kind of enjoy despite it being a quote Watchmen sequel. Although I feel I go ahead and reinterpret that as a Watchmen imagining thing because it's just his interpretation of how things would have went in the Watchmen universe. As opposed to being a full foot sequel, because now we got the Watchmen HBO Max series that did that, being its own interpretive viewpoint on everything. So, free people are running around being Dr. Manhattan. Well, for my best take, these are two different intersecting multiverse versions of, of this universe. The central Watchmen timeline being the ambiguousness of how it all ended. If Alan Moore went back and, re and went ahead and worked on what he would have done for Watchmen had he written the sequel and a prequel, then we would have gotten his interpretation which would have been his definitive version because it was his creation, along with Dave Gibbons. But yeah, Jeff Johns' 496 page, nearly 500 page absolute doomsday clock is finally getting the absolute treatment for June 14, 2022 along with Dark Knight's Metal for May 1st, 2022 for 400 pages. Featuring, featuring the 12 issue maxi series of Doomsday Clock, while Metal will have the absolute, will have all the issues of Dark Knight's Metal, along with Batman Lost, number one, director's cut of number one of Dark Knight's Metal, oh, and Dark Knight's Rising, The Wild Hunt. I would also have liked more if we had brought in the Batman Who Last one shot just for his sake because of the amount of impact he would have on the DC Universe for the next seven years after his appearance. Also, as we continue to have more shocking moments happening in the world of comics, James Tynion IV has announced he's quitting Batman and DC Comics. Yeah. So, he wrote on his newsletter, DC had presented me with a three-year renewal of my exclusive contract with the intent of me working on Batman for the bulk of that time. I was grateful for that offer, but I couldn't help but look at the success of my original creator-owned titles and wonder if it was the right choice. And then I received another contract, the best I've ever been given in a decade as a professional comic book writer. A grant from Substack back to create a new slate of original comic book properties directly on their platform that my own creators and I would completely own completely. With Substack taking none of the intellectual property rights or even the publishing rights, given my brand width, I knew I could only pick one of two contracts sitting in front of me. So, yeah, Substack's really gunning for the big writers. There's Nick Spencer was the first prominent creator to do so, and he had to say goodbye to Spider-Man to do it. So, that goes ahead and continues that run, uh, and goes ahead and going ahead and talking about this project and whatnot. So yeah, James Tiny in the fourth has left Batman. After he leaves after he leaves the events of events of Fear State, he is done. And also finishes up Joker in April. So yeah, I was shocked when I heard this. I really was like Man, 
many of these writers are leaving? Well, he is opening a new. So Gene's tiny onion, tiny in four, and Michael Oming's blue book, a Substack in September. As part of the new Substack game that he is putting Batman and Joker for on his newsletter, he announced the first of new Substack comic books. The Blue Book, a, Uf a new UFO comic book drawn by Michael Umung and lettered by, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try. So, after getting emailed, getting the Substack deal, that's just what Chains Darien did. Writing an email to saying this whole idea of what he was going to do. Ooh, and he agreed only if he could actually draw it all. So, yeah, first big series. He's also, he also launches his Substack Comics publisher for $7 a month. Part of the deal is that you get access to everything, every comic, every post, early bird access, the special covers and merchandise. For $75, you still get access, but pay nine bucks less over the course of the year. Here, I'm also going to run a special deal. Everyone who signs up for an annual payment option in the first 24 hours is going to get a signed single comic book in the mail that I'm going to pull from my storage locker. I'm going to try and nab you some goodies and some rare covers I have extras of, etc. No guarantees, no requests, no promises, but they're going, going to be perfect 9.8s or anything, but I'm going, no promises about that, but I'm going to try and dig up some gems. And there's something special called the Front Founders tier, which I don't know how long I'm going to to keep open up, so now the spot while you can. This is a super fancy deluxe edition for $250 a year. You get access to everything I've laid out, but you will also receive see six extremely exclusive covers from six different projects over the course of next year that will not be made to any other sales platform. They won't be on the web store, they won't be available to pay subscribers, and if they are otherwise, the only way you can get those six covers from me is to sign up for this option. So yeah. Can't wait for that. Meanwhile, Scott Snyder is the next big writer to go ahead and join up with the Substack initiative. Not only that, he has a deal with Comicsology and Dark Horse and is launching his new Substack writing class, just as former going a former writers of his former writers James Tallian the Fourth and everyone else mentions his alumni that Julie Jones, Michael Maurice, Pe Phil Kennedy Johnson and Matt Rosenberg, etc, etc, etc. And now he's taking it all online for a fee and how much? For $7 or 75 bucks a year, less than you get everything and a monthly plan and access to four exclusive live streams where we'll connect more directly and I'll answer your questions about all things kind of related for the $75 thing. And for $7 a month, you'll get access to everything in teaching, monthly live classes, the archive classes, plus teaching chips I'm going to put up once a week or so. Folks who sign up in the first 40 hours will be able to get four live streams with me. More of these below. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah. I am. Man, man, everything's just going crazy. Yeah, over there. Not only that, but another writer's joining up the Substack group. Jonathan Hickman. And he seems to be hinting that he quit X-Men for this. For a project called Three Worlds, Three Moons. A concept universe, and we mean this exactly the same thing as a concept album where all the individual characters' stories and things were created together out to be parts much larger whole. He also reveals that these ideas were initially part of his X-Men stuff, how they had to go digital when the whole comic book industry went on pause. Not only that, Al Ewing, the person who does all the cosmic stuff lately at Marvel, Tina Howard, who and Ram V 
going ahead and and reveal that they have designed the various religious systems of each world or moon, the magic system, and ran, and ran, recreated the design economic model, both black markets and white for the universe. Oh man, this, this is pretty amazing. So, Yeah, we don't know if Hickman does indeed leave the Xbox, but it does look like it's going to go that route. And Inferno does seem to be the final chapter in the saga, but I would have loved more to see him stick around. But we'll have to see where that goes or if he'll be in a part-time position. So, we got a checklist featuring all the, all the Fear State comics, which confirms the secret files in the Omega issue set for November. So, yeah, massive, massive set of series. Now, if we get an omnibus, that's going to probably be crazy. And plus, we're going to get a Captain America team and Iron Man team up for November miniseries that finally that will go ahead and iron out their beefs against each other for some reason. So this is being written by Derek Landy and art by Angel Yuzin. I can't pronounce that name. And covered by Alex Ross, set for November. So I don't know what's going to go happen, but it's going to explore the dynamic and history of their group of the two as they go up against a mysterious new threat from Hydra. So that's going to be probably awkward. So with all this stuff going on with James Tunyon and all the Reeves shoots they're doing with Batman soon, who's who's next? Who's going to write the Bat books? Well, we do know one thing. George Jimenez is staying on DC Comics as Batman. The artist is sticking around. So, oh, there's been speculation about who will replace him as the head Batman writer or even take over the current showrunner role across the Bat books. Some people speculate that existing Bat, writers, Bat book writers are Tom Taylor, Rand V, Stephanie Phillips, Becky Cullen, John Ridley, or at the stage it could even be Gail Simone and Coates, just not Donny Cates because he's all doing stuff with Marvel. It's even possible that DC hasn't nailed it down yet, but one person who is nailed down is George Jimenez. George Jimenez has been the lead has been the lead Batman writer on the main book, like as an artist, especially with superstar colorist Tommy Murray, has made Batman one of the best looking superhero comics on the stands right now when it comes to inked and colored comic books rather than printed painted works. It's regularly down to him and Pepe Lorenz on X-Men, and right now delivering that explosive high quality detail, kinetic energy, character expression look that makes the best mainstream superhero comics. Then also RB Sylvia, but we got Pepe Lorenz. Saying in a post, oh, and for for those who are asking if I stay on Batman after Fear State and James's departure from the series, the answer is yes, I will stay in Batman. And I hope you like Fear State and what's to come later too. Thanks. And Mitch Bread said good. So as for Tyrion leaving, he says working with James the Fourth on Batman is an incredible experience. He's a very brave and creative writer. I'm really grateful for the opportunity, and I hope he would. I wish that he's happy in this new adventure, but I know I will be like that because James, you are amazing. Thank you so much, George. Urge, it's been a dream working with you in Gotham. Can't wait for everyone to see what we got in store for them in our big finale. It's and whatnot. Not only that, but the DC round robin is over, and it's been announced that the Robins have won. 
because of course we need to end this with a pun. So it's going to feature Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, uh, Stephanie Brown, because we completely don't, because we keep forgetting that Stephanie Brown was a Robin. Now, can we, can we get, um, can we get Carrie Kelly here? Uh, that's the one thing I want. I want Carrie Kelly officially in continuity because she's an awesome character. So, can we do that? 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 I'm asking too much, aren't I? Like, they keep teasing she exists in the continuity. She just doesn't show up. Unless, you know, it's in possible future routes. Meanwhile, Robin and Batman celebrates the evolution of Batman's ally. In a Robin and Batman comic, another three-issue three miniseries written by Lemire. Er, who wrote Sweet Truth, an artist Dustin Nguyen, and who did Batman artwork, are reunited after their incredible run on Descender and Ascender for Batman and Robin, a three-issue miniseries exploring the beginning of Dick Grayson's crime-fighting career. So this is him when he started out, and we'll be exploring the character in this in this other stage, and it's set to be a prestige format series. Yeah. So... I'm excited for all these comic stuff. We got more comics news coming later this week. Eek on the next on the Saturday edition, which will be a birthday celebration. Yay! So that's all the time we have for this week, and I certainly can't talk about more about this because there's a lot of stuff breaking out. But we'll have to, we'll talk about the last half of this week's worth of news for the Saturday edition on the 20th of the 21st on August 14th. This was Neo Reality Collective. Feel free pop culture news talk and reviews feel free to check out my other content if you wish and like like and follow this content if you wish stay tuned for more and we'll see you all next time along with some bonus material down the road he's a dickhead be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on youtube channels such as neo reality entertainment nre the wrestleverse and nre pop culture omniversa